Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Well, happy Valentine's Day, guys. It's uh, good to have you all here on Valentine's Day. I know that is for some of you, especially those with significant others and uh, people who are married. I know that's kind of a sacrifice, Valentine's Day evening, uh, typically going out to eat nice dinner or something like that. But I think it's awesome that we're all here together and that we get to uh, celebrate Jesus, then go have the nice romantic dinner, right? Um, So, yeah. So I'm excited that you guys are here on Valentine's Day. If you had to take a guess, what do you think I would be preaching about this evening? Yeah. So we're going to talk about love, but I'm not going to do a teaching. I'm not going to do a preaching. I am actually going to set this up in a way where we all are making declarations about the love of God over ourselves. Okay? So it's basically going to be an entire night of declarations. Okay? So, how many of you guys are excited about that? Yeah. So, I, I, I wanted to make this fun on Valentine's Day, not give you a typical, you know, message concerning uh, love, but actually make it more interactive. We're having a lot of fun tonight. So, I know that love is a subject that we hear a ton about uh, constantly in culture, in movies, uh, media. We use the term like about anything and everything, right? I love this. I love that. I love, you know, breakfast foods or something like that. You know, but culture really has love and lust just all mixed up, right? We know that. Um, But, you know, God has a substantial amount of things to say about love in the Bible. And I know that when you think of love, you can't help but to think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? So I want to get to that in just a little bit. But first, um, I do want to say that love is... It's our inheritance, guys. Like, we, we actually have um, a legal right to live a lifestyle in radical love. Like, because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for each and every one of us here, we actually have a legal right to walk, to live, to think, to do relationships with radical, passionate, amazing, heavenly love. Like, we actually have access to that ability And so when we think about the definition of love, rather than receiving it from culture, receiving it from movies or from books, I think it's best that we receive it from God, from Jesus, and from the Scripture. And so we're going to proclaim love uh, over ourselves tonight. So if you have your Bible and you want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that's where I'm going to read from tonight. I know when we talk about purpose and when we talk about gifts... Uh, we think of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I think it's amazing that Paul sort of sandwiches uh, the love chapter right in between talking about gifts. And uh, how many of you guys know that you're a part of the body of Christ? Amen. We're all part of the body of Christ. We've all been given gifts. We've all been given the privilege of stewarding those gifts. But the way in which we're supposed to live, the way in which we're supposed to operate with those gifts is with, everybody say it together, love. Love, right? And so when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And what he's talking about is love, which leads us into 1 Corinthians 13. So I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. I'm going to read this through, uh, in the New Revised Standard Version. So the NRSV. I like that version. It says, Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, I can't imagine, you guys, a more expansive, 
more detailed, meticulous definition of what love is from heaven's perspective than 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, if you've ever been to a wedding, even once, you've probably heard this passage declared over the couple as they were at the altar, right? I mean, this is so popular. We hear it all the time, but I think we seldom take the time to just patiently sit back, meditate, focus, think about, contemplate what this passage actually means. And I think it would serve us well to reflect on it deeply because there is a lot of aspects and facets of love that is revealed to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to go through them one more time, just kind of list them off. And then what we're going to do is we're going to break them down word by word. Every single one of these things that Paul said that love is we're going to investigate in the original language, all right? I won't, I won't teach you guys any Greek tonight, but we're going to look at what that, what that Greek term actually means and just how expansive love actually is from God's perspective, and then we'll make those declarations over ourselves, all right? Does that sound fun? Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great, guys. So, so Paul teaches us that love is patient. It's kind. It's not envious or boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and it never ends. That's a pretty expansive definition, huh? So let's go to the first one. So here's the first aspect or first, you know, facet of what love is according to 1 Corinthians 13. And to make it just more Valentine's-y, I asked Brian to play the entire time, all right? Is that, are you guys cool with that? Okay, just imagine it's like a candlelit dinner with Jesus, all right? So the first thing that Paul teaches us about love is that it is patient. Now, from a biblical perspective, if you take a deep dive into this word patience, we're gonna declare what love looks like as it is patient. Love looks like patience, and we know that God is always 100% of the time patient with us. Love is patient. Love looks like not getting angry with people when they make mistakes. Love looks like letting go of anger, even when we have a right to be angry. Love looks like waiting on the timing of God rather than taking matters into our own hands. Love looks like not being overly ambitious. Love allows things to develop in their proper time, knowing that it is God that is in charge of our promotions. That's all right there in the original language. It's pretty, pretty incredible. So with that being said, let's start with our first set of declarations tonight. And... I just want to invite you to say these out loud. If you want to just lay hands on yourself, you can, but you're going to be doing that a lot, okay, throughout this, but feel free to. But let's read this out together, guys, and let's just prayerfully just declare this over ourselves. I declare, I am filled with God's love. I am full of patience. I am patient. I choose not to be angry with others when they make mistakes. I am patient. I choose not to be upset even when I may have a right to be. I am patient. I am not overly ambitious. I am comfortable with God's timing. He is in charge of all that happens in my life. I am filled with God's love. I am full of patience. How many of you guys feel like this is going to be fun already, right? So just receive this. I mean, Brian's playing, and if we need to, we can just like pause for the calls, and we can just soak for a few minutes if we need to just let it settle in, all right? So here's the second thing that, I mean, I feel like by the end, we're just going to be drenched. Everybody's just going to get real filled up with the love of God. It's going to be fun. So here's the second one. Love is kind. This is the second thing that God says that love is. Love looks like kindness. And we know that God is always, 100% of the time, kind toward us. Love is kind. Love looks like being gentle with others, even when they do not deserve it. Love looks like wholeheartedly serving others, 
without expecting anything in return. Love looks like being nice to people, even when, get this, we're having a hard day. Love is kind. Love looks like believing the best about others, even when they are behaving badly. So here's a second set of declarations we're going to make over ourselves. So let's say it out together. I declare I am filled with God's love. I am full of kindness. I am kind. I choose to be gentle toward others, even when they are not deserving. I am kind. I choose to serve other people, even when I don't feel up to it. I serve because I am becoming like Jesus, the greatest servant of all. I am kind. I am genuinely a nice person. I smile. I'm fun. I am enjoyable to be around. (laughs) How many of you guys feel like at this point you need to write that on your mirror in the morning? If you guys want the notes to this, I'll make it available. Do Do we have any others on that one? Oh, we have more. Come on, guys. Let's jump back in. I am kind. I don't go hunting for the trash in other people's lives, looking for a reason to gossip. On the other hand, I look for the gold in their lives. I love building others up and encouraging them in what they are great at. I am filled with God's love. I am full of kindness. I'm getting tanked up up here. This is going to be fun. So here's the third one. Love is not envious. How many of you guys have learned something already? Okay, just me. That's, That's fine. Hopefully we'll break that barrier. My wife did. She said yes. Love is not envious. Love is not envious. It is not jealous of other people. Love is not envious. Love looks like not being jealous of what other people have. Love is not envious. Love looks like celebrating the good things that God has done in the lives of others. Love is not envious. Love looks like letting go of unhealthy expectations. Love trusts in God. Love looks like quiet trust in the Lord, knowing that He will supply our every need. So here's the next set of declarations to go along with love is not envious. I declare I am filled with God's love. I am not envious. I am not envious. I am not jealous of other people. Today, I choose to lay aside my relationship with unholy jealousy. I am not envious. I choose to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of those around me. I am not envious. I choose to let go of unhealthy expectations today. I know that God is in control and His timing is perfect. I open myself up to the timing of God. I am ready to receive his blessing. I am filled with God's love. I am not envious. Woo! (laughs) I feel like if no one else has fun with this, I'm having a blast reading these things, man. I feel light. Hallelujah. So here's the next set. Love is not boastful, and we're going to put together also love is not arrogant because they really, the two of them go together. Love is not boastful. It does not brag. Love is not boastful. Love looks like not bragging about our successes, but giving God the glory. Love is not boastful. Love looks like not showing off. It doesn't require everyone's attention, but is comfortable serving in secret. Love is not arrogant. Love looks like not holding tightly to our egos, but allowing God to define who we are. Love is not arrogant. 
Love looks like not being proud as to ensure that everyone recognizes our accomplishments. So let's make some declarations around these two elements of love. I declare I am filled with God's love. I am not boastful. I am not arrogant. I am not boastful. I don't need to brag. I acknowledge that every good thing that I have comes from God. I am not boastful. I don't need to show off. I don't demand everyone's attention. I am comfortable serving in secret. I am not arrogant. I choose to let go of my ego. God defines who I am and not anyone else. I am not arrogant. I don't need to be overly proud. My value is not based upon my performance. God declares that I am valuable no matter what I do or do not accomplish. I am filled with God's love. I am not boastful. I am not arrogant. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you guys having fun so far with this? Okay, good. (laughs) Is this good for you? Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right, the next one is love is not rude. Love is not rude. You know, it's amazing to me that, you know, we talk a lot about love just in general, right? I mean, every day we hear the word love. I love you or I love this or I love that. But seldom do we ever consider how that really breaks down by God's definition and his standpoint. So I think this is really helpful uh, for all of us. I know it's helpful for me as I read it. So this is what God says that we are because he lives in us. So love is not rude. Love is not rude. Love looks like genuinely acknowledging other people. Love does not overlook people just because they are different. Love is not rude. Love looks like being nice. Love smiles. Love shakes hands. Love makes eye contact. Love is not rude. Love looks like dignifying others with an honest response. Love doesn't snub people, but takes time to hear their heart. All right, let's make some declarations about this one. I declare I am filled with God's love. I am not rude. I am not rude. I acknowledge others. I do my best not to overlook people because I know that God never does. I choose to see people as image bearers of God. I am not rude. I am a nice person. I smile at others even when I'm not having the best day. I shake hands and look others in the eye because they deserve my respect. I am not rude. I take time to speak with others, even when I'm busy. I choose to see people not as inconveniences, but as children of God. I am filled with God's love. I am not rude. You know, I think this is a really, really big one for us, the love is not rude uh, aspect. I really do for our culture. One of the things that I've been studying recently is rankism. And uh, we all know what racism is, right? I mean, it's where you, you know, you, you're hating your, your, I don't know how you would classify or define racism, but it's based upon someone's ethnicity, right? Like you, you disqualify them or you judge them or whatever. Well, rankism is actually what happens when we do the same thing with people who are of a different social status. And I think we see that a lot uh, happening today with people in like influence and celebrity and how well-known somebody is. Like the more well-known somebody is, the more valuable they are in our culture. Like that's rankism and it's not unlike racism because it actually puts down people who are not influential and declares that they're not valuable. 
And I think our culture actually needs to take a stand against rankism in a very similar way that we take a stand against racism. Because just because somebody's a different ethnicity than me doesn't give me a right to belittle them. And just because somebody's of a different social status than I am doesn't give me a right to belittle them. And just because someone's of a different social status than me in the opposite direction, perhaps even being somebody super famous or super influential, doesn't give me a right to treat them any differently or see myself as of lesser value. That's also like reverse rankism, all right? And that's what causes celebrities, this just Lyle's opinion, quick detour, to commit suicide. Because they don't have any authentic, genuine connections with people that are just simple and loving. Because rankism is at play, and they, they're, they're known by the world, but they're not known in their heart. And so we have to come as a, as a church, as a people of God, and actually acknowledge this, call it out for what it is, declare that it's demonic, and say that all people, regardless of their social status, regardless of their measure of influence, are children of God, image bearers of God, and they deserve love and authentic connection. And if they don't have it, regardless if they're of low status or high status, they still shrivel up and die. Because we're all in need of the same thing, which is genuine love that's not root. So I'll probably, I'm, I'm probably going to dive into that here in the next little bit over the next few weeks, if you guys will give me grace too, because I'm really studying it, and it's something that I'm very passionate about, you know, as, as sort of a um, person that's about justice. I'm finding that... Um, I myself have um, been like a victim of rankism in some capacity, and I've also examined my heart at how often I have, um, you know, just played into that because it's a part of our culture. And I think we really need some reformation in that area. What about you guys? So here's the next one. Love does not insist on its own way. This is a big one. And just carry these guys into your friendships, carry them into your connections or interactions with strangers, into your marriage, into your dating relationship. Love does not insist on its own way. Love looks like not being selfish. Love looks like choosing to think of everyone that's involved rather than just doing what is best for ourselves. Love looks like preferring others. Love puts others first, even when they are less deserving. Love looks like sharing. Love does not tolerate poverty of any kind. Love shares with those that have less. Love looks like letting go of control. Love is not overly obsessed with outcomes. God is in control, and He knows what He is doing. Love looks like not strong-arming people to get what we feel we deserve. So let's do some declarations around this one. I am filled with God's love. I do not insist on my own way. I do not insist on my own way. I am not self-absorbed. God has fashioned me to love others, to consider their needs as well as my own. I do not insist on my own way. I prefer others before myself. Even when I deserve the blessing, I willingly give it away because I long for others to know love. I do not insist on my own way. I am generous. I give. I share. I love others by sharing my increase with them. I do not insist on my own way. I know that God knows what He is doing. God leads me well, and where I'm supposed to be, I will end up when I follow Him. I do not insist on my own way. I don't need to bulldoze people in order to get what I need. God is my provider. People experience me as loving and not controlling. I think there's one last one. Yeah, I am filled with God's love. I do not insist on my own way. Here's the next one. Love is not irritable. Wow. Okay, here's a big one, huh? 
Love is not irritable. Love looks like not being short-tempered with other people. Love is not irritable. Love looks like not provoking others. Love actually disarms anger. Love is not irritable. Love looks like helping people up when they fail rather than kicking them when they are down. Love is not irritable. Love does not tolerate gossip. Love shuts it down. So here's some declarations. I declare, I am filled with God's love. I am not irritable. I am not irritable. I am not short-tempered with others. I am long-suffering. I am patient with people, even when they are not patient with me. I am not irritable. I don't provoke people to anger. I don't take jabs at others. I help people when they are going through a hard time. I choose to love others, not to shame them. I am not irritable. When people gossip about me, I do not return the favor. I defend the cause of the oppressed. Therefore, I do not tolerate gossip around me. I am filled with God's love. I am not irritable. Well, I'm having fun. This is good. Here's the next one. Love is not resentful. Love is not resentful. Love looks like not keeping account of wrongdoings. Love is not resentful. Love looks like forgiveness. Love is not resentful. Love looks like not bringing up the past mistakes of other people. Love looks like relating to others on the basis of how God feels about them rather than how we feel about them. Let's do some declarations around that. I declare, I am filled with God's love. I am not resentful. I am not resentful. When someone hurts me, I am quick to forgive them. I am not resentful. I understand that when I hold grudges against others, I am only hurting myself. I choose to let go of all unforgiveness right now. I am not resentful. I choose to see others according to God's perspective. God's perspective shapes my viewpoint of people. My desire is to see everyone the way that God sees them. I am filled with God's love. I am not resentful. I've got a few more here. We're going to lump two together here because they go together. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. I felt like this was a really interesting pit stop in the midst of this definition. So love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love looks like refusing to celebrate any injustice of any kind. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love looks like refusing to celebrate sin. Because love rejoices in righteousness. Love rejoices in truth. Love looks like celebrating others when they are vulnerable. Love never takes advantage of transparency. Love rejoices in truth. Love looks like celebrating others when they share their testimony rather than becoming jealous or angry. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love rejoices in truth. So here's some more declarations. I declare, I am filled with God's love. I do not rejoice in wrongdoing. I rejoice in truth. I do not rejoice in wrongdoing. I refuse to celebrate injustice toward others, no matter how much I feel they may deserve punishment. I do not rejoice in wrongdoing. I don't passively overlook sin. I encourage righteousness in my friends. I rejoice in truth. When other people are vulnerable with me, I celebrate their courage. I don't violate their trust by sharing their secrets with others. I love people by protecting their heart. 
I rejoice in truth. When others share testimony, I choose to praise God and celebrate with them. I am a loving person, not a jealous person. I do not rejoice in wrongdoing. I rejoice in truth. I think it could be of note to say, I do not rejoice in wrongdoing. I do not passively overlook sin. I encourage righteousness in my friends. You know, one of the things that hit me hard today is that if I'm tolerating dysfunction in someone's life, like if I have revelation, God gives me revelation about someone's behavior, and I'm like, man, like they, they're really in need of some love there. But I choose to not say anything. I'm not loving them by not saying anything. I'm actually doing the opposite of loving them. I'm actually promoting dysfunction in their life. Love confronts. Let me just say that again. Love is confrontational. All right? Sometimes the best way that we can love our friend is to confront them about their sin. Because love actually rejoices in truth, and love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. And so if we have a friend, if we have a relative, if we have a neighbor, if we have somebody that we love that God's put in our path, we don't passively overlook their sin because then we rejoice in wrongdoing. We actually confront them and we call them higher. Not, we don't shame them. We don't blame them. We don't con- condemn them. But we simply talk to them relationally and we call them higher because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of righteousness. Love looks like celebrating truth. And that lets people know, the people who are in our life, hey, you are way too awesome to be behaving like that. Amen? Amen. Love is confrontational. So there's just a few more left. We're almost finished up here. Are you guys enjoying making the declarations? So these two go together. Love bears all things and endures all things. Love bears all things. Love looks like endurance. Love doesn't dismiss people quickly. Love bears all things. Love looks like shielding others from harm. Love actually protects. It speaks up when people are being mistreated. Love endures all things. Love looks like not giving up on people, no matter how great their mistake. Love endures all things. Love doesn't get overwhelmed by bad situations. Love overwhelms bad situations. Let me say that last part again. Just let it sink in. Love doesn't get overwhelmed by bad situations. Love overwhelms bad situations. Just remember this if you don't remember anything else tonight. With enough love, you can do anything. Just think about that. There's no situation, there's no problem too great to solve that cannot withstand love. If there's a situation in your life, if there's a relationship in your life, there's a person in your life, and they just won't, they just, they're just not lining up. You know what I mean? Like they've just really got on your last nerve and you're ready to kick them to the curb. Like with enough love, that situation can be reconciled. There is nothing that we cannot do with enough love. And so I always tell people, if, like, if you've done all that you know to do, just add love. Just add love. Because eventually, I mean, nobody really wants to withstand love because everybody really wants to receive love. Yeah. And eventually the wall will break. So here's some declarations around love bears all things and love endures all things. I declare I am filled with God's love. Because his love is in me, I can bear all things. My love for others bears all things. I am patient with people. I choose not to dismiss others quickly. My love for others bears all things. I protect people from harm. I speak up when people are being mistreated. I love people. Therefore, I shield them when they are in danger. My love for others endures all things. No matter how great someone's mistake, I choose not to give up on them. 
I trust in God. He makes all things new. My love for others endures all things. I refuse to turn my love off when I get overwhelmed. I choose to continue in my love for others, especially when their decisions affect me negatively. (laughs) My love for others, that's a big one. Wow. So we have just... uh, We have just a few more, and that's it. Two more, actually. The next one is love believes all things. Now, this one I actually kind of struggled with a little bit because I'm like, okay, what in the world could that possibly mean? Love believes all things. But love looks like believing the best about others even before they've proven themselves. You know that test that we have, that little test that we have in our pocket? Well, if this guy checks off all the things, then I'll believe he's a good person, right? Love actually looks like believing the best about other people before they've even had a chance to build a reputation with us. Love believes all things. Love looks like genuinely believing in people. Love installs confidence in others. Love believes all things. Love looks like trust. Love trusts others before they deserve it. And then when trust is betrayed, love works hard to restore that trust. So who are we? Because love believes all things. Let's read some more declarations together. I declare that I am filled with God's love. Because His love is in me, I can believe all things. I love people. I believe in them. I believe the best about them, even before they deserve it. I love people. I believe in them. My love for others causes people to feel more confident about who they are. When I interact with people, they feel valued. I love people. I believe in them. I trust people, even before they deserve it. While people have betrayed my trust in the past, I choose to continue trusting. I am filled with God's love. I love people. I believe in them. So that for me, I think, is like offensive on all fronts. What about you guys? Because I'm like, man, I don't understand, God. How is that even possible? You know, especially when your trust has been betrayed over and over again. How do you continue to love somebody? Well, God's definition of love is to actually work hard with Him, to labor for rest in prayer with Him, in connection with Him, to rebuild uh, trust with people that we have connections with that we value. Amen? So here's the very last one, and that is love hopes all things. It's, It's very similar to love believes all things but love hopes all things love hopes all things love looks like having hope for others when they are struggling love is confident that God that God will turn all things around for the good love hopes all things love looks like longing for good things to happen to others love is not jealous love is not threatened by another's blessing but welcomes it love hopes all things Love looks like consistently expecting breakthrough from other people. Love understands that God is good all the time. Love lives expectant of blessing. So here's our last set of declaration, guys. So let's declare these things together over ourselves. I declare I am filled with God's love. Because His love is in me, I have hope. I am filled with hope. When people I know are struggling, I am not discouraged for them. I love them. I mourn with them. But I am confident that no matter what is going on, God will turn it around for good. I am filled with hope. I long for good things to happen to me and to others. I don't get jealous when others experience blessing. I celebrate them. I am filled with hope. I consistently expect and experience breakthrough. 
I know that God is good and that he desires to be good to me and others. I expect blessing. I am filled with hope. Amen. When Paul ends this, this, this very long definition of what love is, he says, and love never ends. And then the very last thing that 1 Corinthians 12 tells us about love is that now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. He tells us that out of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of the three is love. Why is that? The reason for that is because the last portion of that definition, love never ends. And that's why love is actually greater than both faith and hope. Because when we get to heaven, we'll no longer need faith. We will see God. When we get to heaven, we'll no longer need hope. We'll be with God. But when we get to heaven, love will still be there. Love never ends. Love is the greatest. Today, we choose to live a life of love in the kingdom of God. Love never ends. You know, as we close tonight and kind of finish this evening of declarations about love on Valentine's Day, I want to just, you know, pray over our relationships, our connections, our friendships, our marriages, um, the connections we have with our family. You know, I'm sure that there's probably some folks in here that don't have the relationship with their own family that they would like to have. And I, I would like, I would love to pray for restoration and reconciliation in family relationships. I would love to pray for that in uh, married relationships. Just for, you know, 2016, for that connection of love, that energy that exists between the two of you to be thriving like never before in your life. How do you guys feel about that prayer, that declaration? Amen, huh? And, And the last thing I really wanna pray, and this is something that I just learned this past week again and again is, You know, we are incapable of loving others more than we know that we are deserving of love. Like we really can. We really can't love other people unless we first understand that we're actually worthy of receiving love ourselves. And, you know, I've been reading this book this past week and a lot of, see, a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people do not believe that. They think that, You can have a poor relationship with yourself, but then have a very loving relationship with other people. And the example that I read in this book was that, you know, I don't love myself. I don't really feel like I'm worthy of love, but I do love my kids and I shower my kids with love. And I see that that could be a very real life example. But what the book was stating, and it was really directing it more so towards like a psychological standpoint, it was saying that, you know, eventually those kids grow up and then they struggle with the exact same thing that the mom struggled with or that the dad struggled with or that the grandparents struggled with. And so the best thing that we can do for the people that we love is actually acknowledge the fact that we ourselves are worthy of love. That's like the, that's like the first best step. And if, if we ever, ever have a hard time believing that, and I'll be honest with you guys, I struggle with that myself sometimes, like believing that I am worthy of loving, all right? We have to remember and we have to consider and we have to imagine the cross of Jesus because that right there, church, that is the picture perfect painting of what love looks like in public. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord, our Savior, hung high, spread wide, bleeding himself out in love for you and I. That was the greatest sacrifice that anyone could ever pay. Do we all agree with that? The greatest sacrifice. That was a heavy price. Amen. That was a big price tag. The cross was a huge price. But the price that was paid on the cross determined the value of what Jesus purchased. You guys get that? It was an expensive price tag, but the cross actually determines your value. The cross actually says you're worthy of being loved. The cross actually declares your worth. 
You guys with me on this? If, you've, if, if you're ever confused about your, your worth, if you're ever confused about whether or not you should receive love, just consider the cross. Because the cross communicates how worthy you are. Jesus says, this is how valuable you are. I paid the greatest price so that I could have you. That's how worthy you are. That's how valuable that you are. The price that Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people that he purchased. I just want to say it one more time, okay? The price that Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people that he purchased. You are worthy of love. You are valuable. You're just the biggest bullseye of God's love ever. God didn't create you so that you could like be his slave and do stuff for him. If that was the case, heaven would be a sweatshop. But it's not. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You were created for a purpose, and that wasn't to just get a bunch of stuff done. First and foremost, you were created for a purpose, and that was to be loved. That's like your number one purpose in life is to receive love. So if you don't mind, just put your hand over your heart. And uh, we're just going to pray together right now as we're closing up. And if it helps, just close your eyes. And uh, perhaps for some of you guys like this, this it's not really a, a sermon or anything like that, but our time together, how about that, has just been an, an unveiling and illuminating upon your heart. Like I see in the spirit for some of you guys like a doorway just being pushed open. And you thought that love was the size of your living room. But God has actually allowed you now to peek into a brand new, spacious place. Love is actually so much bigger than you thought it was. He wants to upgrade your ability and your reality of what love looks like and how it manifests through your life. And so we just declare right now, God, that everyone in here, that their love is just turned on to the full right now. After tonight, God, our love is just turned on completely. Like we just can't wait to love people. We can't wait to shower people with affection and grace and worthiness and dignity. God, I just declare over every single person in here that we dignify other people. We dignify them. We place value upon them. We declare over them that they are worthy because of your love that abides in us, that pours out through us and onto the world. God, through us, would you declare to the lost, would you declare to humanity that they are valuable and that they are worthy of receiving unconditional love from Jesus Christ? God, just continue to upgrade our definition of what love is and what love looks like. Lord, help us to bring love into our families, into our family relationships. God, I just pray over every single marriage in here, and I just declare that by your blood, that covenant is protected. I declare that they are protected by you, God, and that their love is strengthening in 2016 like never, ever before. Love, and Lord, I, I pray that, that love would, would enter into family relationships where there's been betrayal, where there's been mistrust. And instead of revenge, God, may we offer forgiveness. And may we offer mercy in the same way that you do. We just thank you for that right now, God. And Lord, lastly, we just pray over ourselves. And, and in prayer, God, we dignify ourselves through the lens of the cross. And... You know, guys, it, it, it might help every now and then just to take a look at yourself from the cross. Take a look at yourself through the lens of Jesus on the cross and, and look upon yourself. Look upon the value that you have in God's eyes. And, and hear God say about you that I did this for you. I did this for love. I did this for us, for our connection. So, Lord, we just choose right now to love ourselves and we choose to declare that we are worthy of love and that we're valuable. In Jesus' name.
So I don't know if you guys read the news or not, but uh, Pope Francis, who I think is pretty cool, personally, has declared that this year is the, uh, it's the, it's a jubilee year, which on the calendar, it's not even really a jubilee year. Pope Francis just took his liberty and said, I'm the Pope. I'm declaring this is a year of jubilee. I mean, that's just, I think that's amazing. And you guys know what he declared it? He declared it a jubilee year of radical mercy. I just think that's, a. I mean, man, the Pope is a real Christian, dude. I'll tell you what, that guy's phenomenal. You should follow him on Twitter. He, he posts some good stuff. But when I, I, I heard that, I want to buy his book, by the way, but that's a side note. I'm just like, I'm just consumed right now, guys, with that, with that whole idea of mercy triumphs. And we sang it tonight, mercy triumphs over judgment. That's all about love. This is a year of mercy. It's a year to forgive yourself. It's a year to forgive other people. It's a year to let love in like never before. It's, it's a year to become the most radical, loving saint of God that you ever thought imaginable. I really do believe that, you guys. Like, it's a year to become a loving church, not a condemning church. It's a year to become a forgiving church, not a judgmental church. It's a year to become a merciful people. And, and, and not, a, not a, uh, a judgmental people. So with that being said, I just want to invite you to stand. We're going to read our declarations and dismiss. If you're part of the ministry team, just want to invite you to come up. Anybody in here that would like to receive prayer, we're going to have a team of people up in the front wearing badges who will be prepared to pray, to prophesy, and um, to talk to you about Jesus if you'd like to receive prayer. So they're going to be ready to, to pray for you. If you'd like to come up, just... Don't hesitate. Come on up and receive prayer. For everyone else, as we dismiss and send you guys out, we just declare over you that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Everyone go with God. We'll see you on Wednesday at House Church at Kristen and Trevor's house. Look on social media for the address. Love you guys. Bless you big time. Happy Valentine's Day. Just hug somebody or shake their hand and tell them you love them. Even if you don't know them, just kick Valentine's night off right. Hey, and eat these peeps over here, you guys. If you want some marshmallow ducks, take them home. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And God bless.